Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church. So great to be with you again today as we uh, answer a question. And the question today is, what is Lent? Lent is a season that is coming up, and we thought it would be really good to engage with that, as that is something we're going to be a, a part of as a church. But it can bring up some questions. What, what is Lent? Um, I'll start us off by telling you a story. I was in the DMV recently, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I had to do some titles, work on, on a car, and, and uh, update my license, all those kinds of things, stuff that had stopped in COVID, so it was about time uh, plates were pretty, pretty expired. So I uh, went in and did that. And the DMV right now in Eugene, if you don't know this, is currently housed at the mall which is the greatest idea ever. I don't know why they don't just keep the DMV at the mall. Evidently, they're going to build something, I, I suppose. But it was so great to have the DMV at the mall because you could go and you could take your little number and then you can just walk around the mall. So I did that. I walked around the mall. I had some lunch. Then I strolled back in. I was like, where are you at with the numbers? They're like, oh, you're right here. I was much closer in the numbers. And so then I had a seat. I sat for a little while. They moved through the numbers very, very quickly until they got one away from my number. And it, it had moved so fast. I was like, man, they're going to call my number anytime. So I got up and I'm just standing waiting in just the middle of the room waiting for my number to be called. I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to make sure I could hear when they called it. I wanted to be just ready to go right to that booth the minute it was available. So I'm just standing there waiting, figuring it would be just moments. Well, it was a half an hour until they called my number. A half an hour, I'm just standing there in the middle of this room with these people around just waiting. And it, it was the strangest thing. It had, it had taken no, like they had gone through 10 in that time before, but for some reason it stalled right there. They had different appointments that came in. And I found myself just going, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Did, did they forget me? Have, have I missed out once again? Am I lost? Am I not on someone's radar? Have they, am I going to end up being here until it's dark? All those questions started to go through my mind. And then finally, they called my number. I felt like a Price is Right contestant. Like, yes, you called me. And I went over, oh, it's me, it's me, I'm here. And, and the lady was there and she was nice. And when we took care of everything, it all worked out. But that made me ask the question, how do I approach waiting? How do I process when things aren't as easy as I'd hoped they'd be? When things take longer than I want them to, when things don't necessarily feel good, when things want to make me unsure? Will I allow the hope ahead to outweigh the hardship of the moment? That is one of the themes that is brought to mind when we talk about Lent, when we talk about what it is. Why would we engage with this as a church? What can Lent mean to us personally. Just in general, Lent refers to the 40 days that lead up to Easter week. It begins with Ash Wednesday, which this year is on March 2nd. It is an intentional journey through the struggles of life in order to experience the grace of Jesus in a new way. 
Now, for some of you, that is a really important distinction because it may be that in your history with church, uh, when it came to Lent, it didn't sound like that at all to you. <laughs> for some of you, Lent was all about making yourself miserable because evidently God loves us more when we're miserable. But that is really the opposite of what this season is intended to be. Now, religion has tried to make it those things or, or to, to make it some holiness competition, you know, you know, where we can tell each other, yes, for Lent this year, I've given up so many things. I've given up sugar and coffee and TV and fresh air and smiling. I'm not going to do any of that for Lent. I'm pretty holy, by the way. In fact, I'm so holy, now I am fully equipped to judge you. No, that's, that's not the kind of growth that Lent invites us to either. In fact, genuine growth in Jesus is always marked by God pointing out needed changes in me, not giving me a greater desire to judge you. You may remember Jesus addressing the, the issue of the log in our own eye as opposed to reaching out to get the speck in another's eye. But religion always gets this backwards. We, we love to make Pharisee factories. You know, where those factories, those places where you're inspired to tell others where they are out of line while at the same time being blind to the lines that you yourself have crossed. That's what Pharisee factors create. Maybe some of us have been around places like that, but Lent is not that. Lent is an invitation for God to do a deep work in me, to change me. Lent invites us to this amazing heart preparation that will allow us to fully celebrate the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus. It's what we celebrate at Easter. Lent sets the table for that feast, and it does so by walking us through the full story. It's like growing up when it came to money and stuff and, and things. Those things, their value for me didn't really get real until I got a job. Maybe you had the same experience. You know, my first job, I, I was a bottle room clerk. Uh, every day I'd go home smelling like stale beer and chew. That was a bonus. Um, my, my next job was a shelf stalker at a pharmacy, and then I was a lawnmower. Prior to that, though, prior to having those jobs, if I was given something by my parents, a birthday present, something like that, I certainly appreciated that gift. But its value really didn't mean that much to me. It didn't mean that much to me until I discovered the work that was required to earn the money to purchase a gift like that. So after I began working, if I bought some new clothes, it was the 80s, so I probably would have bought like tiny corduroy shorts and a hyper-colored tank top. Um, but if I went and bought that, I knew what those items cost. I knew what they cost me. And I could, I could do the math that that outfit that I just bought equated to mowing two and a half lawns or, or, or putting on 350 price gun labels or 18 splashes of stale beer on my shirt. I knew what it cost me. And knowing that, it allowed me to view that purchase differently. It had a greater value. 
that whatever that gift was, it came about through some struggle. And I understood that when I engaged the work. See, it's possible that we can find ourselves proclaiming the end of the story being Easter without fully engaging what it took to get there. And Lent helps us to experience that part of the story. The truth about Easter is that without experiencing the backstory that is found in Lent, that, that valley and the shadow, without that, we will miss out on fully understanding the summit and the light of Easter. So in Lent, we engage concepts that have brought meaning and depth to the church for hundreds of years. There are truths here, gems of relationship that God wraps into this journey of anticipation, this waiting time that we call Lent. And those gems, friends, can change our lives. Those are the gems we hope to seek out together. And, and one big gem around Lent is this. It is the concept of baptism spirituality. Here's what that means. Lent invites us to die to certain things in the physical in order to make way for life in the spiritual. Lent invites us to die to certain things in the physical in order to make way for life in the spiritual. In that season, that 40 days, we're called to this greater focus on, on prayer and on meditation and, and on fasting and on God's word where we choose to give up some things of this world to posture ourselves to grow in God's world. It's not legalism. It's not asceticism where we punish ourselves to earn God's love. No, it's this intentional laying down of some temporal things in order to grow in the greater eternal things. That just as Jesus died in order to defeat death itself, we trample down death by dying to self. So Lent becomes this journey where we understand to a greater extent what Jesus did to make this relationship possible for us. That we will never fully appreciate Resurrection Sunday until we live a bit of Good Friday. Lent leads us to that. And if I can just get really practical, if there is anything that we need in the days that stand before us, it is a hunger and a desperation for God. These are days that we must draw close to him. There's no halfway point. And Lent is a vehicle to help us do that by removing some distractions, by giving us some tools to focus so I want to invite you to fully engage with us in the Lent season that is to come. If you've never done so before, I invite you to dive in. Or if you've experienced Lent in some kind of weird or religious ways, understand this is not that. Essentially, we are invited into what has been called the bright sadness of Lent. To help us in that, the scripture we look at today comes from the book of Romans. We'll read it all together, and then we'll break it down. But let's start by reading this right where you're at. Big voices, go. 
May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Here's the first thing I would point out. Lent calls us to believe. Lent calls us to believe. Romans 15, 13, the first part of that, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace found in believing. This is the work of those who follow God. Jesus said it uh, so well in, in John chapter 6. He says, the work of God is to believe in the one God sent. Lent calls us to believe. Lent is this invitation then to walk in faith. Faith begins with believing what God is saying so I can then experience what God is doing. Yet too often we want to see it before we believe it. But faith invites us to believe first. Seeing is easy, right? You don't need a lot of faith when it's already done, when you're already at the end of the story where God already showed up and, and did whatever you hoped God would do. You know, that moment when the money comes in or, or the surgery goes well or the relationship is restored or your team wins. Oh, it's easy to see God then, isn't it? But believing before that, that's the test. That's what's hard. When that bill is still unpaid, when the prognosis is dim, when the thought of being close to that person again is, is all but impossible, when, when you're a Packers fan, for instance, and your team's not winning. That's where it's difficult. Yet that's what allows us to experience peace and joy, regardless of what we see, we're believing. Not to mention the times in life where it just doesn't go the way we thought it would. It doesn't go the way we thought it should. And for all of us, this season has certainly had its share of that. So the hardest thing amidst the, the, the pain and the pandemic and the politics and the problems, the hardest thing is to believe that God is still working, that God is still calling people close. In doing so, what God is doing is he's inviting us to take steps of faith, believing before we see, in our personal lives, in our church, in our community. And to do so, God wants to light our path in that belief. Uh, the other day, I went to take our garbage from the side of the house to the street, you know, to get picked up by the garbage folks. And our, our garbage sits on the, the side yard, which is gravel, uh, and it's also open to the dogs. Uh, Swagger and Mavis, our grand dog, spend, spend time there sometimes. And so I, I went to take the garbage out, but it was difficult because it was completely dark on that side of the house. There is a light there, but I had allowed that light to go out, and I had not yet changed the light bulb, so it was completely dark. So I, I had to pick which garbage cans, and, I, and it's tough in the dark to know that I was getting the right color, but I think I got it right. I got them to the street came back through the side yard. And I'm walking in the dark through the side yard, and it's there I take a step, and I feel the squish. You know the squish that I'm talking about. 
It's the dog poop squish. You know when you've landed on a dog poop. And I feel the squish, and I'm like, ah, oh, here it is. I, I couldn't see. There was, there was no way I could have known it was there. I was walking in the dark. And so then you have to do that embarrassing dog poop walk when you're on like one heel, and you gotta walk to the next place, you know? And I walked to a place, and I scraped off as much as I could, and then I have to do the poop walk again to get into the, the garage, to get where I could, you know, wipe it onto something, and then finally take my shoe off and take it to the laundry room and wash it out. It was a whole, a whole problem. It was a whole ordeal. All because I didn't take the time to add the light. I allowed myself to walk in the dark. This idea of believing in faith is an invitation to add God's light to the dark spaces of our life, to the dark spaces of our journey, and this is a step that we often miss. New growth, friends, is, is always uh, dependent on new steps. So if we're going to walk in faith in a new way, we will walk differently. Now, hopefully not a poop walk, but we're going to have to walk differently. Think about it. Any relationship will remain exactly the same as long as we do the exact same things in that relationship. Conversely, we experience new things by doing new things, by walking new roads. That requires taking new steps of faith in response to God. Now we decide, I'm going to believe God in new ways. I'm going to respond to that belief in action. This is what Lent invites us to. This is the light that God shines in our lives because Lent calls us to believe. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Lent calls us to empowerment. Lent calls us to empowerment. Second part of the verse, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit. The shift here is recognizing that my power is not enough. That I need the power of God's Spirit in my life for everything. Again, Lent calls us to sacrifice something in the physical in order to gain something in the spiritual. So as part of Lent, what people in the season will often do is they'll, they'll participate in, in fasting or, or, or staying away from something, uh, foregoing a certain thing in their life for that 40 days. Some people it might be like dessert or, or social media or, or coffee, but it's something that matters in your life. And you're saying, for these 40 days, I'm not going to do that. I've, I've sort of leaned on that in certain ways, but I'm not going to lean on that so that I can lean on God in a new way. They may even ask to add, add fasting a meal uh, of food or, or a day of food or perhaps even longer. But the point is to let go of something in the physical in order to gain something in the spiritual. And the desire in all of those things is that I am shifting the power source of my life from man-powered to God-powered. It's like when you're learning to drive. I remember those first days as a driver. Um, I didn't do the, the driving part of driver's ed. I did the classroom, but I didn't do the driver's part. But I'm sure it would have been better if I had done the driver's part of driver's ed because I first drove with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and even though we didn't have the special driver's ed car with that extra instructor brake on their side, my mom would act like we did. 
So I'd be driving along and things would happen, you know, leaves would blow across or maybe a semi truck would be bearing down, something minor. And mom would scream and stomp on this invisible brake pedal that she didn't have, which would then really put me on edge. I mean, I was stressed out. She was stressed out. And so I would be adjusting at that point every millisecond, trying to compensate for every pothole and every slope and every squirrel. I was, we were just so on edge. It was incredibly stressful. And we'd finally stop and get out of the car, shaking with nerves, mom vowing that I'm going to drive with dad from now on. I felt helpless. And she felt helpless. <laughs> Well, the same applies to our life with God. We're, we're like new drivers. We're constantly trying to rely on our power and our ability to deal with every bump and every crisis and every change. And it's exhausting. But what if we realized we're not alone? You're not alone. That the world's greatest driving instructor for life wants to be with us, and, and that's God. And God doesn't just have the brake pedal on his side, but also the accelerator and the steering wheel and the blinkers and the wipers, that God can do it all, that we don't have to drive alone. You don't have to be alone. The promise of Jesus is to be with you. So why live like you are alone? Too often, I think we can end up in this weird place where I say, I trust you, God, but I live like I only trust myself. Yet Jesus reminds us that we don't have to live that way. He doesn't want us to live that way. Luke eleven thirteen says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? that God longs to give the Holy Spirit to those who recognize they need the Holy Spirit. And all of us do. God's Holy Spirit is a gift. And yet, in our compulsion to drive ourselves, we leave that gift unopened. God wants to order my steps, to guide my path, but God can't do that when I have a death grip on the steering wheel of my own life. Action is not wrong, but man's actions alone do not last. We are called to be empowered, which means I get to let go of some physical things so I can grab on to some spiritual things. Lent calls us to that. Lent calls us to empowerment. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Lent calls us to hope. Let's look at those last words of this passage. Read them together. Big voices go. You may abound in hope. Let's read them one more time because it's short. You may abound in hope. Of the things that should bubble out of the Christ follower's life, the things that should mark the people of God, the things that others should hear from us above the noise of this life, it should simply be this. They should see an abounding hope in us. As First Peter tells us, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, 
He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is alive. It's not fading. Our hope is not tied to a news feed or limited uh, to, to some amount of hope that is exhaustible. No, our hope is tied to the resurrected one. Do we see that hope in our lives? And do others see that hope in us? Think of, of a field and, and think of, of two animals flying over that field. Think of buzzards and hummingbirds. When a buzzard flies over a field, uh, their eye is going to be drawn to the stinking carcass of some ill-fated animal. They'll be like, oh, there's one, yeah, oh, hopefully it's a skunk, you know, yes, payday skunk, this is amazing, oh man, let's go get that rotted skunk. That's all the buzzard sees in that field. But a hummingbird could fly over that same field, and all they will see is flowers daylilies and foxgloves, lavender and honeysuckle. That's all they see. Both of those experiences take place in the very same field. They see what they choose to see. Friends, in this life we are surrounded by death and decay, by brokenness and corruption. Yet Jesus still invites us to see what he sees, that in Jesus we have a bulletproof hope that whatever happens to me in my life or in my job or in my world, none of it can keep me from what matters most. None of it can keep me from God. Not Omicron, not politics, not winning, not losing. We have a living hope. We have all experienced what it's like to place our hope in things of this life only to see that hope die. Yet for Christ followers, we have a living hope that is found in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That means our hope is bulletproof. No government, no pandemic, no crisis, no human problem can undo the hope that we have in Christ. So that, friends, is what should bubble up out of us. We should just bleed hope on each other all the time. This is really the drive of Lent. This is the anticipation that this darkness, whatever it is that we're walking through today, it will all disappear in the light of the risen King. I was talking with someone the other day. It was after... Uh, the trivia night we had done here at the church, which was so fun and um, so many great trivia people. One of the questions from that night, it was amazing to me. You had to identify 10 different um, chain restaurant hamburgers just by their pictures. You had to be able to identify the difference, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, just by their pictures, which was incredible. Um, it seemed like really, really hard. We actually, my team got a lot of them. This team, the person I was talking to, they got them all. Now, I don't know what this says about us. Evidently, we love our fast food. We may not know a lot of stuff, but we know our fast food. Uh, so I'm not sure what that means. But as I was talking to her afterwards, she said something I thought was, was insightful. She said, um, there is a smell 
from a particular burger place that reminded her of, of certain seasons of her life. It was just so strong for her. It was so clear, the connection, that that fragrance, just that smell, when she thinks about that burger and that smell, it, it just brings her right back to that place. Smells are like that, right? They reveal to us this important truth. The fragrance of the Christ follower is hope. This is what the world should experience when we walk into the room. Above anything else, an abounding hope, the aroma of hope, a hope that rises above and that supports us below and that carries us through. This is what we bring. So the question we should all be asking ourselves today is simply this. How do I smell? <laughs> do I carry the aroma of hope to the world? Is the hope of Christ abounding in me, bubbling out of me? Or is hope really hard to detect? Is my hope in Christ the first thing people experience when I walk into the room? If it's not, then that can change. And that should change. Because, friends, our world is in a hope famine we're so desperate for hope. And yet we, as followers of Christ, we, we are called to this living hope, to an abundant hope, a hope without an end. A hope that drives us to this season of Lent, knowing that we will see God's goodness on the other side. Lent calls us to hope. I'll wrap up with this. Um, it almost seems silly or perhaps overstated to mention that the last few years have been difficult for all of us. And it's like, duh. I mean, globally difficult, locally difficult. Every one of us has, has felt the pain. We felt the fear, the loss, the grief, the confusion. As a pastor, I've felt those things in ways very specific to church life. And once again, I, I would agree that it's been extremely challenging, the most challenging season of, of our lives in ministry. And the reason it's challenging is because it makes you question everything. Am I in the way, God? Am I, am I missing something? Have, have I missed your best, God? Am I walking the wrong path? <clears throat> By the way, the book of Psalms is a, a really great resource if you ever feel that way because it speaks those things out a lot, those questions we have. So I get it. All, all of that pain is absolutely real. But I would add something additional. As hard as this season has been, I can now honestly say I'm finding pockets of real gratitude within it. Not all of it, <laughs> but in some places. There's some places that I can honestly say, thank you, God, for that painful experience because of what it did between me and you. God in this season is calling us and reminding us of what really matters. God's confronting our, our selfishness and our apathy and our fear 
if it wasn't for those hard things, we may never seek God in new ways. So although I still, like you, have questions, I am growing in gratitude for those elements of the journey. That's really what Lent invites us to, to intentionally place ourselves where God can stretch us, where God can challenge us, where God can meet us in the struggle. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. Would we follow him there? And in great anticipation, would we find ourselves on a journey that ultimately changes how we see? And if we would stay on that path, Jesus can actually transform who we are. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.